0: Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, Cambridge and Cornerstone Financial Consultants are not affiliated. Welcome to the Journey Mindset Podcast. This is episode two, and I just want to thank you guys again for for joining us for this second episode. My name is Sean Ulrich, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ron Shear, and I am a financial advisor at Cornerstone Financial Consultants in Washington, Missouri, and you can connect with me at thejourneymindset.com, and that'll lead you to my personal website, where you can get in touch and reach out if you have any questions for us to address as this show continues on. So we would love to get the chance to work with you at Cornerstone if that is a good fit for you. So here we are, podcast number two. And Ron, I'm, uh, I'm lucky to have you today. Man, how have you been up and until this point?
1: Well, you know what? It's been an exciting, uh, an exciting week. It's been an eventful week. When you're kind of locked in one place and you have family, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a little more difficult to deal with uh, sometimes the problems that you might have uh, with the family. But nonetheless, we powered through it, and it's uh, it's been a, a a good week. It's been a busy week, but uh,
0: as I can sometimes remind people, is God's faithful. He's brought us through it. That's right. That's right. I absolutely love that. And I want to mention, too, it was actually this past weekend. Man, I caught some bass. I don't know if I got a chance to talk to you about that.
1: Well, I got a, got to see the one picture, and <laughs> it's uh, it's an impressive bass. Uh... it uh, it's the type of bass that probably would look as good as on the wall as it looked in that skillet that I'm sure it finally made it into.
0: <laughs> it definitely did. I was uh, munching on that just the other day. I, the best way I can describe it to you is it's similar to when, you know when Jesus talks to the disciples and he just says, look, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Right. And, the, and these boys just do it and they say, holy smokes, we are having a haul today. So that is really what actually ended up happening. And, and I learned a little bit more. It's It's got a lot less to do with my skill and a lot more to do with the location and the, the actual stocking of that pond. But nonetheless, it was an awesome experience. That's
1: always fun when you're not fishing, but you're catching. I mean, oh. that's, uh, that's what makes it a, a great hobby.
0: Exactly. Exactly. The other thing I got to do earlier this week was I got to check out Uh, Warren Buffett's annual shareholder meeting Mm -hmm. as well. And so that was something that I took a lot from that we could potentially talk about on a later date. But that was just a a cool thing that I was able to check out as well. So if you're ready for it, Ron, we can hit the people with with a quick market update. Sure. All right, perfect. So here's what I got. So it actually came out today that unemployment is now at 14.7%, which is north of 30 million people here in the United States at this point which, man, is obviously a byproduct of just this extended quarantine period. Right. And so, you know, the continued question I think everybody's asking is, man, how in the heck is this market continuing to rise despite all these unemployment reports? And so, you know, I have a couple of thoughts on the matter. But, Ron, do you have, you know, any takes as, as what's causing just kind of that disconnect at this point?
1: Well, I don't necessarily think it is a disconnect because the market in and of itself is uh, many times it's uh, a leading indicator of, of the economy. So in other words, the market is running a little bit ahead of where the economy is. And I think a lot of people want to make a comparison between what we're experiencing now, particularly with percentage of unemployment and the total number of unemployed in this country. And they want to compare it to the Great Depression. Well I don't think that's a fair comparison for the simple reason that during the Great Depression, the economy and the market itself was in a very very slow and gradual free fall till finally it hit the bottom and then, and then the, the market uh, was actually absolutely broken as as uh, and it indicated exactly where the nation's economy was. Now this is somewhat different to the extent that we had very positive uh, GDP growth, uh, unemployment was at a record low, and the market was uh, was very much indicating a pre leading indicator of where the overall economy was. And the thing that's most important about all of that was prior to this shutdown, we were uh, an economy that most everyone was able to participate in the good and growth part of it. Wages were uh, rising and they hadn't haven't ri- hadn't raised in uh, a good eight years the 8 years that we had yeah. prior to this so i mean i think there are, when you look at the numbers yeah the numbers are probably comparable but there's the circumstances or the reasons for the numbers being where they are totally different
0: totally true and and i can think back to that Warren Buffett shareholders, Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting, he actually did a deep dive into American history and sure. into the Great Depression and everything that happened at the beginning. And I don't know if you knew this, Ron, but I like some American history. I can oh. I can get into some American history. I don't know about you. Oh, you know what? I just love history. In fact, if I had it to do over, if I were
1: probably 20 years old, I'd probably try to teach history either at the high school level or maybe even the college level, but uh, that ship has sailed. I mean, uh, it's a little late for that, but yeah, I love history too.
0: Yeah, it was really cool to hear. Really cool to hear. Well, I just had a couple of things jotted down as what I thought could be potential factors uh, with what's going on in today's market, and you got to consider, you know, this stimulus money that was flooded into our economy, I believe. Oh, for sure. Uh, You know, whether it was with individuals or with businesses, And I think the other thing that we're continuing to see is there are some companies that are continuing to thrive in this environment. And it's usually those companies that have a big emphasis on technology and and an uh, an emphasis on being able to continue to run their business with innovative ideas. And so you're kind kind of seeing, you know, okay, here are some companies that, didn't have as much technology integration uh, into what they were doing. And you're seeing the complete opposite side of the coin, that entire companies are really run on that. So, right. Right. you know, it, it doesn't always make a ton of sense what's happening in the short term. But I love what you had to say and that the market is usually forward thinking. You know, it's usually ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, it's normally a leading indicator. There are times that the market can get a little ahead of itself. And uh, I think Alan Greenspan, the former Fed chairman, used to refer to that as, uh, uh, irrational exuberance—I ah. think was the phrase that he used—and uh, okay. uh, but yeah, it can it can certainly get ahead of itself. I don't think that's the situation right now.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So what we have for the people today, Ron, is wise investment moves that people can make by age. So we're talking twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. So, you know, if there's one thing that I've learned since I've gotten into this industry, Ron, and, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit already on the first podcast, which is just depending upon what age you are, Mm -hmm. that can play a big factor in the type of investments that you might consider. And so just kicking off investing in your 20s, if you're somebody that's in your 20s and you're considering investing for the first time, you know, Ron, can you talk about what you might have done differently if you had the investing knowledge that you have today while you were in your 20s?
1: That's an interesting look back um, I,
0: I, I, <laughs> I can I, only imagine
1: I can't I, I have to be very self-critical mm. to, to do that for the simple reason that in my 20s I think I think the difference what I would do differently is I would have gotten into an investing mindset much earlier. I waited for the simple reason I didn't feel like I had the money to actually invest, because I was busy paying for a house and, and paying for a car. We fortunately didn't have any student debt when we got out of school. But then, then the, the children were there, uh, uh, and uh, they're just, in my mind, there was not uh, the money to invest. Now, here's the fallacy in all of that. I was taught much younger that whenever you get a paycheck, no matter if it's $5 for mowing the neighbor's lawn or whatever it is, That you should always pay yourself first. When you get money, get your paycheck or however you derive your income, you should pay yourself first. And what's simply meant by that is I should have been putting some percentage of money away uh, from the very get-go. I can't tell you that I was totally... Faithful to that in my twenties. Okay, that actually started to become more important at about age thirty. So I mean, I think the the, the trick bag is very simple. When you're in your twenties, uh, uh, you're you're pretty much at an entry level job. You have some debt, and you have the mindset that I really don't have enough money. Does it disposable income yeah. to invest or to save? And that's a fallacy. No matter what you get, you should always pay yourself first. That's not to say that you sock money away into uh, an investment account or a savings account at the bank and then don't pay your bills. That's not the idea. Save something for the simple reason it's a good self-discipline to get into.
0: I was going to say that is right on the money. And I know for me as someone who is currently in my 20s, you know, even though, you know, I'm having this information sink into my mind that, hey, it's so important to invest in your 20s. I don't think I'm really going to fully appreciate just the direction that I'm sending my dollars until 35, 40 years down the road where I'll hopefully be able to look back and say, "Wise move, younger self."
1: Yes, you you will. You will look back and you'll say, "Gosh, I'm glad I did that."
0: Exactly. And, you know, I think the dilemma here is always just as somebody that's in my 20s right now, you know, why would I put, you know, a lot of my discretionary money into a retirement account? Retirement is so far away and I think that that's why I love the name of this podcast, The Journey Mindset, because it's finding a way to still be able to enjoy yourself while being able to put that money away. It, it takes creativity, it takes discipline. You know,
1: it takes a great amount of self discipline.
0: And and so the you know just a massive point that needs to be made about investing in our twenties has got to be the power of compounding interest, and it's got to be the effect that it could have on those long term returns. And I think we've touched on this before. About developing the habit of investing early. But I do think, just like what you were talking about, one thing that does make up for that lack of income in your 20s is the fact that you do have that compounding interest. And and if you're somebody that's putting a little bit of money away in your 20s, it's just as effective as somebody that's putting money away in their 30s or their 40s, maybe even putting a lot more money away in their 30s and their 40s because you have that compounding interest. It has just as real uh, of a significant return uh, just because of time, you know? Well, absolutely. The
1: longer, the earlier you start, and, you know, if if, uh, if you have just a typical uh, uh, life, length of life, I mean, some some are taken away early and some get to stay longer. Uh, but the longer you, the earlier you start, the longer time horizon, and that's a, an investing term, time horizon, that uh, the longer you have – it, uh, it has a greater impact on, uh, on what the end result's going to be. If you continue, stay that discipline.
0: That's so true, so true. And I think a really cool thing to continue to think about as well in your 20s is not only is it important to get in early, but, man, if you can get into some good quality growth investments in your 20s, not only do you have time on your side, but if you're putting that good emphasis on getting in those right investments, man. That could really, really do some work for you over a long period of time.
1: Well, here's a neat thing that I learned some years ago, and it's called the, the rule of 72. Okay. And uh, what, you, what, what that simply means is if you want to figure out how long it takes your money to, to double in value, this, uh, this, if, you, if you put into an account $1,000— and it earns 12%, which nothing does. Let's say, for instance, you put $1,000 into an account, an investment that earns you about 6%. Let's use that figure. Okay. To to determine how long it takes the $1,000 to become $2,000 at a 6% return, you simply divide the percentage of return into the number 72, and that will give you the number of years it takes for the money to double. So... Let's play this game. $1,000 in at 6% return, divide that into 72. How many years does it take for it to double?
0: 12 years. 12 years, years.
1: yeah. So, I mean, and it's an infallible number. It works every time. And that doesn't even take into consideration that you might be adding money to the $1,000 investment from time to time. But just left on on its own, growth and, and compounding interest. Will double every twelve years at a six percent return. Now, if you have an investment that's that's a, a more aggressive and it does average growth is twelve percent a year, then it's obviously going to double in six six years.
0: That's right, and I'm like how you saved me right there with that. That was perfect. That was awesome. That's a magic. <laughs> number.
1: The rule uh, of seventy-two.
0: Yes, I've definitely heard of that before too, and uh, I'm I'm thankful for people like you that can just man. Whip that thing right up the top of their head. Oh, my gosh.
1: It's 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 not that it's any brilliance, and and you know me well enough to know it's not brilliance. It's just a matter of being, <laughs> being uh, washed in it or bathed in it over the last 30 years. Yeah. It's been wonderful.
0: God, that's so cool. That's so cool. So moving right along, we're looking at investing in our 30s at this point. So, you know, this is a time where I feel like if you haven't started, and it sounds like in your life, Ron, this was really the time for you well you really need to start investing at this point if you haven't gotten to it
1: absolutely and that's about the time that you're starting to settle into uh, a career choice i mean sometimes right out of college you take a job that uh, it may not be your dream job but then again some of us who are fortunate it it, it does turn out that way that uh, that it's a dream job but by by the time you're in your 30s it used to be that to have a, a retirement plan, a defined benefit plan, or even a 401k plan, uh, you had to be with a large corporation. That's no longer the case. Uh, most uh, most uh, companies, small and even in large companies, major, major co- corporations, they will obviously have a 401k plan. Yeah. Uh, but even, even small companies will have, at a minimum, they'll have a simple IRA plan, which is uh, uh, an IRA where you can defer... Money from your your paycheck, and and the employer will uh, uh, will often give you a a match into your simple plan. So yep. that's about the age at about thirty when you really ought to have your eyes and ears open uh, to uh, maximize whatever kind of retirement plan is available where you actually are employed. And that's a major thing. Now, not every company has a retirement plan, but I think it's a good maybe a good uh, uh, prerequisite when you start to look for an employer at, uh, at, in, your, in your 20s or even in your 30s to, to pick one that does have some type of retirement plan, whether it be a, a 401k plan or a smaller company that might have a simple plan, those are uh, th- that's so- certainly something you want to take a look at. And it's a good place to, to actually uh, uh, maybe accept a job because that's where you start to build a career and, and, and you start to build equity and, and money into a 401k plan.
0: I was going to say that could be a huge separating factor, you know, between one company and another is a company with a great retirement plan sure. over over somebody else and I think, you know, I got to imagine for some people in your 30s, this is where they're going to start to have a little bit less free time, you know, a little bit less money to spend on whatever they want and a little bit more responsibility.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, usually in your thirties, and I can recall back into those days, I used to be able to say I could change clothes, eat a sandwich, and drive the car on the way to ball practice. <laughs> uh, you know, for for the kids, because that's yeah. about the time where that that starts to p- kick in. And I don't want to I don't want to sound in any way like I'm. Uh, like it's a real a real chore, or it's drudgery, because it isn't. It's pure wonder, purely wonderful to be a part of someone else's life that way and spend time with them. But it, it is a busy it is a busy time in your thirties and forties.
0: Definitely, definitely, and I still think it's such an awesome time for compounding interest. Still, when you're in your thirties, you can still be in that growth mindset from an investing standpoint.
1: Absolutely, that rule never changes. It it is always a constant. It's like the northern star. Of investing. And here again, maybe a good rule of thumb is in, when you're in your 20s to build some, some cash into an account by, and maybe that needs to be just a savings account, could yep. be a, a brokerage account too. In the 30s is when you really start to want to ramp up your savings percentage into your 401k or your retirement plan. And for those people who have not their 401k or a simple retirement plan with their employer. Uh, there isn't anything that precludes you from having an individual IRA account.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I got to think for some people, this could be, hey, they, they're they either in their first home, maybe a second home at this point in their 30s. Maybe you're having kids or even two, you know, maybe more than one at this point. And I think that, like, I, like we had talked about, there's a time where your attention is just it's now a lot more focused on other people than yourself
1: it is I mean you know? if, if all things are equal I mean you you find yourself in that time in your life where you can't you can't be so self-serving I mean you're responsible for children you're responsible for a spouse and and a good good many times you're responsible for aging parents even that uh, that that all can factor into it but the point is is it still comes down to that individual discipline to put something back each pay period that's 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 the real that's the real game changer
0: for sure for sure and i think this is also a great time to continue to hone in on your career path and make sure hey by the time i hit my 30s am i in an industry that's really really providing for my family that's continuing to put myself in a good position to have that income to be able to invest which is why I loved our first podcast so much. Sure. And you know, I just I think the hope for people at home is by the time you reach their 30s that you are able to hit that savings and an in, in investing goal of 15 to 20% at this point in your life because as each year passes it really matters. It really matters, you know. It
1: really does and and if you're in one of those jobs where you get a, a an annual review and you do your job reasonably well uh, what typically happens is you get a pay increase, and those monies can go into a retirement plan, a 401k, or or a, a bona fide retirement plan, and that money is not even missed. And I'm I'm probably as guilty as anyone. If I get my hands on cash, if I get it on Monday, by Friday I couldn't tell you where I spent it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just the way it works. Uh, yeah. But yeah. if you don't get the money, you don't see it, you don't touch it. It goes right into your into your retirement plan, so much the better.
0: Yeah, so true. Try to get those ACH, just direct payments into those accounts. And so I think also in your 30s, I think that insurance needs to be a very real consideration because, like we had talked about at this point, this is really the first time where people are depending upon you. And, you know, that's right.
1: I mean, that's that's at that the age where you're responsible for a lot of people besides yourself. And uh, I can only come at this from a husband's standpoint and a father's standpoint. And that, uh, I didn't buy life insurance because I thought it was a benefit to me, but I wanted to make sure that, that if something did happen to me, that the, that my wife and my children would have a home that would, uh, they could be allowed to stay in and, and that there would be some monies that would help them, uh, take, take my place because that's, and that's the whole idea. And insurance is so incredibly important, particularly when you have debt and, and, and debt and age 30 and, and, beyond age 30, is definitely a part of our life. It just is.
0: For sure. For sure. And I think the other two pieces of insurance that you might want to uh, you know, consider at this point would be disability insurance or making sure that your estate is taken care of. And, and if you know the worst of the worst were to happen, that those assets that you have taken some time to build up at this point are going to go in the right direction. Absolutely. And so that's all for our 30s. We're going to go on to investing in our 40s at this point. And really, this is where I really feel like investment strategy gets very individualized. Not that it's never not individualized, but especially by the time you hit your 40s, it really depends upon your life situation because it can be so different from person to person. And so, you know, I don't want to cut these people short, Ron, but I mean, I feel like once you hit your forties, I mean, you're nearing what'll probably be the halfway point of your life, you know, at this stage in the game. And I just think it's a useful time for reflection. And, you know, hopefully at this point you've accumulated enough wealth that you've put yourself in a position to, you know, and we talked about this in podcast number one, that you're in a job that you love, you know, you're on the path that you want to be on But as we all know, I mean, life has its way of just throwing a lot of stuff at us that'll usually derail whatever plan we had in our 20s or whatever plan we had in our 30s. And so, you know, I feel like a big part of being in your 40s is being able to know that, hey, if I'm on the right path, awesome, let's stick to it. But I still don't think it's too late for somebody to cast a new vision or a new direction for their life if they feel like that's what they need to do. And so, You know, I would imagine that at most point in in people's lives when they're in their 40s that you probably have a kid or two and they're anywhere from an elementary school, you know, age range to a high school age range. And there's going to be some just big time expenses that come along with that uh, as far as allocating your income goes. And so I just think it would be a great time for people to consider opening up a college savings account at this point. And so, Ron, uh, you know, this is a question that I have for you. At what point, you know, did you or what point do you think would be a, a great time for people to start considering those college savings accounts?
1: Well, I I, I guess I take a slightly different perspective to the extent that uh, it, it, I think college savings plans really, I think the ideal to, to open one of those is about the time that you get home from the hospital after the birth of your first child. I think wow. you, I think that's an important time to do that. And I'll tell you why I think that. Uh, and I've, I've, I've worked in the business long enough to see how many times when new parents open up a college savings plan for their first child and then the second and third child come along and each of them get a college savings plan, how much the grandparents actually start to to kick in. Because the grandparents are already in these this age where they've got a house paid for. They're at the prime earning years of, in their career. And, uh, rather than they get them a new Tonka truck or a new Mattel, whatever (laughs) they, they put a hundred or $150 into the kids, grandkids college savings plan. So I think, I think to realistically, you can certainly wait. And I mean, if you're going to do this on your own, it maybe makes sense to wait, but here again, I think investing in savings always works out and has the happiest ending when you start early, start early start saving, start planning because uh, we hear these daunting figures about what the cost of a college education is going to be in in 2050 and and, and they're so astronomical that they actually become defeating to people yeah, yeah. They're, they're so high and so blown, uh, it, it, it just people look and they sh- they put up their hands and they say well I just give up there's no way in the world being a middle American that I can that I can afford to do that But I will also tell you that I think that in this country anybody that really wants to get a college education I think you can get one
0: definitely you definitely. Really can. Yeah. And, and I think the other point to make when you're in your forties is you still have a, a lot of compounding interest on your side, but you don't have oh that amazing compounding interest that comes along with being in your twenties and your thirties. And if you're somebody that's in their forties with, you know, still some debt sitting around, this is a good time to attack that and to get that knocked out.
1: Absolutely. Get rid of the debt. Heck and that, yeah. that comes down to the same rule. Pay yourself first. If you owe if you owe someone, the best way to, to pay yourself is to get rid of debt. I mean, then yeah. everything you make is actually your money. It doesn't belong to some some creditor somewhere.
0: So true. And, and, and I can imagine at, in your 40s, this has got to be a time period where most people have just as much, if not the most money that they've ever had in their life by the time they get their 40s. And so it could be a time where people start to think, oh, it might be a good time to get that lake house or to get that boat. And uh, so my question to you Ron is when you were in your 40s you know you know what are some pitfalls hypothetically that you could see people falling into and, and what are some wise moves people can make
1: well I, I think that's certainly one of them at about age 40 you, you, you're right you start to look at your 401k balance and it's, it's starting to look you know pretty respectable and in, in a lot of cases it's more money than some people ever dreamed that they could accumulate but but nonetheless it's there and sometimes Human nature will tell us that, hey, you know what, I got a lot of money put back, or I got quite a little bit of money put back, and maybe now it's time to enjoy some of that. And as tempting as that might be, and as tempting as that is to maybe use some money to, to buy a second property or, or whatever you choose to do, do so carefully, because once you start to take money out of these retirement plans, and in most retirement plans, it's not easily available. In fact, you know, in a 401k situation, until you become 59 and a half, or you have what's called a hardship, and there are six hardships that the, uh, the IRS or the Treasury allows you to take money out of a retirement plan, you can't get the money out of there to begin with. And IRAs and, and retirement plans are not viewed as collateral items from your local lender. So you can't walk into the bank and say, hey, I got $600,000 in my 401k. I want to use it as collateral for, for a loan to buy a second property. It's not going to work. Yeah. The bank will not allow it, not, will not use it uh, and accept it as a collateral item. Now, here again, it comes down to that discipline when you're, when you're well on your way and you've got a good foundation uh, in your 401k or your savings plan, whatever it is to, to, for your future retirement, that's the time to really focus as to how you manage your money. And, And boy, it sounds like, you know, all I'm preaching to you is that people should get up in the morning, they should go to work and they should come home at night. And on weekends, they should, they should do nothing but work, you know, and that's certainly not the case. You have to figure out a percentage of your income every Every year or every month or how you choose to do that should be for entertainment and things that are enjoyable. It's, it's it's you've got to enjoy the ride or the trip along the way. You just have to.
0: And I do think it's entirely possible to save up for a lake house or for a boat or anything like that that you want to save up for. But it doesn't necessarily have to be done out of your retirement account. It, as a matter of fact, it shouldn't be done out of your retirement account. It should be something that we planned ahead for hopefully either late twenties or thirties and opened up an individual investment account or something along those lines where you don't feel tempted to have to reach into what you've already saved up for your retirement in order to be able to do that. And that's why I love this, this concept that we continue to go back to, which is that journey mindset. And so I just, I love that that's a part of, of what we're doing each and every day. But it
1: has to be part of the plan. It can't be some, some spontaneous, just, on the spur of the moment idea that oh my gosh I saw a house for sale down for sale at the lake of the Ozarks <laughs> and I'm going to buy it out of my retirement plan. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not a, n- never a good plan.
0: So true, so true. So what we're actually going to do right now Ron is we're going to take a quick break because this is actually going to be part 1 to a two-part podcast series and so what we're going to do after this is we're just going to look at investing into your 50s. So quick break and uh, we'll be right back. All right. So we chopped this one in half for the sake of time, because our last podcast ran over an hour. So if you are somebody that wants to keep listening, just go ahead and click on our next uh, podcast, which will go into investing in your 50s and beyond.